This is Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to harness the power of media. I'm Edgar Cruz. And I'm Roberta Rael. This summer, the city of Albuquerque and First Lady Elizabeth Kiston Keller launched the One ABQ Challenge, an initiative to encourage citizens to engage in community service projects that connect youth and elders. Generation Justice's contribution to the One ABQ Challenge is standing on the shoulders of giants, a series of conversations between youth and elder civil rights activists in Albuquerque. In this special collection, Elizabeth Kiston Keller speaks with Generation Justice about her vision for the One ABQ Challenge. In this series, you will hear from elders such as Elena Giacci of We Alluda Training, who is chair of the Mayor's Anti-Sexual and Domestic Violence Task Force. Ellen Marks, a mentor, former teacher, and co-founder of South Valley Academy. Catherine McGill, founder and director of the New Mexico Black History Organizing Committee. Father Frank Quintana, founding pastor of the Blessed Oscar Romero Catholic Community, followed by... Jennifer Cornish, former activist in the Chilean Solidarity Movement. Ron Solomon, a member of the Laguna Pueblo and former executive director for the Indian Pueblo Cultural Center and Beva Sanchez-Padilla and youth organizer Yajaira Carreras, both with the Southwest Organizing Project in New Mexico con Mujeres, discuss mentorship and social justice organizing. We want to thank Albuquerque's First Lady, Elizabeth Kiston Keller, for bringing the One ABQ Challenge to our community. We encourage you to share these amazing stories of activism and resilience, and for you to start some conversations of your own. This is Edgar Cruz with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with First Lady Elizabeth Kiston Keller. Welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you so much for having me. Please tell us more about yourself. Well, let's see. I was born and raised here in Albuquerque. I'm the third of four kids and was lucky after graduating high school to have opportunities, research work opportunities, to travel all over the world. And then after about 10 years, move back uh, right to the place I started. And so I am excited now to be here in Albuquerque as a daughter and a sister, a wife, a mom, a scientist, a teacher, a mentor, a student. And I think what cuts through all of those is uh, a bridge builder. So excited to be connecting dots between different communities and working on impact on different levels. Thank you so much. What is your and the mayor's vision for our city? That's a great question. So as I'm sure uh, some of your listeners have seen, there's a lot of talk right now about One Albuquerque. Um, and, And what that means for us and the way it embodies our vision is a recognition that I think is rooted deep in the history of our city. But it's a recognition that we as a city rise and fall and rise together and that we all have the responsibility and also the power to work together to address our most pressing challenges. So it's a vision that recognizes the city has a crucial role to play, but that also recognizes that no individual, no organization, no sector can do this work on their own. So we're working to have the city be a core catalyst in creating a brighter future for everyone that's here um, and really building lots of partnerships to do that. So as we think about um, this one Albuquerque vision, uh, my 
my role has been to think about how I might be able to utilize my skill set as a complex systems analyst and as a bridge builder to help augment this vision for the city. Tell us more about the One ABQ Challenge. So the One ABQ Challenge we launched this year as a first trial run, and it was a citywide service challenge that ran throughout the month of August. And the idea was pretty simple. The service challenge asked folks across Albuquerque to think about making time in the month of August to step up and engage in at least one act of service around this year's theme. And this year's theme was around connecting youth and elders in our city. The 1ABQ challenge itself as a project and this theme were both born out of lots of conversations with community leaders around the city. What we heard in these conversations, the mayor and myself, over and over and over again, what struck us was the real hope for this city. And it wasn't some sort of passive hope, right, that things here just get better on their own. But it was the kind of hope that was sort of rooted in the belief that we are a resilient and resourceful bunch in Albuquerque, that we have what we need here in terms of expertise and energy and innovation to address some of our most important challenges. It's a hope that's born out of the belief that we have a responsibility to take care of each other, and also a hope that's born out of this notion that if we work together, we really can create a better future for everyone. In Albuquerque. And so it was those conversations, and I think recognizing that deep hope here, that got us starting to ask some what-if questions. What if there was a way for us to acknowledge uh, the strengths that had led to this resilience and some of that power, um, and also to build on it, to be able to connect folks who were desperate to be part of a solution, but kept coming back to us saying, we're not quite sure where or how we might get engaged. Uh, And so that's where the idea was born originally. Uh, And Tell me more about where this intergenerational model for the One ABQ Challenge kind of came from. We were looking for a theme for this challenge that was broad enough that it would allow folks to come up with an innovative set of responses um, and ideas for projects, but it was focused enough to really feel like we were doing something together as a community. Folks really keyed in on this intergenerational component about connecting youth and elders. And when they did so, they evoked the past the present, and the future when they talked about how important this was to our community. Folks who talked about the past mentioned that so much of our resilience as a community was built upon intergenerational connections through families and sharing of knowledge through generations. When folks talked about the present, they mentioned that some of the most innovative pieces happening were working to connect youth and elders in interesting ways, ways that volunteer groups had mobilized seniors to engage with students across our community, and similar the flip, that groups of students were mobilizing to help seniors with IT pieces, but also to engage on broader cultural questions. And finally, looking to the future, community leaders who had challenged us and said, you know, when we're constantly talking about statistics for our city or our state, it is too easy to fall into a trap where both of these populations, youth and elders, are talked about as vulnerabilities or as problems to be solved. And instead of thinking about this as vulnerabilities, we recognize both of these populations separately, but also working together as true assets to the community and as powerful protagonists, right, in this next chapter that we write together as a city. 
Thank you so much. Let's hear some audio from Ron Solomon, Jennifer Cornish, Father Frank Quintana, Kathy McGill, and Beva Sanchez Padilla. Young people, I think, uh, as we older Native Americans or older people, you know, just when we look at you, we cherish you. We cherish you, you know, and hold you in high esteem. And we want you to get prepared for the execution of your own life. You know, what kinds of core values do you bring? I think if you don't know what your core values are, or if you're a tribal person, explore that with your family or with uh, relatives that can talk to you about what the core values are of your tribal community. Advice is a tricky thing, right? Because you can say something and they go, oh yeah, well, that was you. That doesn't necessarily apply to me. Um, but I do tell myself, I do tell younger people, so you know, pace yourself, take it easy, be nice to yourself. Here, here's a peach. <laughs> Or whatever it is, you know. Um, so I do see it as part of my role to um, love and care for younger people uh, because we all need it. But I, I have the ability to um, now have more energy to do that than to give that to others. The advice that I would give to young people is Ignore when anyone says that you are our future. You are not our future. You are our now. That you you have been inspired, whether by God, by another person. If you have been inspired to speak out and to stand up about a particular issue or need, or you see an injustice being done, or you see peace being violated, or you hear a speech or you read a tweet, that violates all that is decent, good, just, right, and holy, then you have a voice and you need to speak up, no matter how old you are. I would say that it's our job, our absolute responsibility, to create a world that works for everyone and one where we respect and celebrate our differences and where we make room for our differences and we celebrate them and we make no room for anything that is other than that. I think that once you recognize, whether no matter what age you are, once you recognize that the playing field that we live on is, is uneven, that at that moment, at that juncture, that you see there was inequity and injustice, that the road you take is very important. If it's fueled with anger, and it will, you will have a lot of anger, but if it's fueled with anger, you're not going to get very far, and that's very, very difficult. But once you recognize that there's injustice, you can't really let that go that in fact you proceed with a sense of calm in all your work and to know that your your work will never be totally done. You have to work on some level at, at making that playing field a little more um, even. Yeah. 
You just heard Ron Solomon, Jennifer Cornish, Father Frank Quintana, Kathy McGill, and Beva Sanchez Padilla. What are your reactions? First, I want to thank all of you for the tremendous work you've done in pulling together these interviews. I think the the wisdom and the insight that you've captured is a real treasure for us as a community. And as someone who has uh, met many of these leaders and, and worked with them in different capacities, there was a richness in these interviews that I never knew before, both about their own history. So thank you for that and the contribution. I want to pick up and react to a couple of different threads that came out of of some of these interviews. And the first is a piece uh, I think that um, both uh, Ron and Father Frank bring up, uh, especially and some of the others touched on. And this is about making space and deliberately making space for youth to lead. I think one of the things I am most proud of, uh, of the current city administration, is the deliberate attempt to make space for new leaders who haven't always been welcomed in, both to the city hall apparatus, but to the wider engagement strategy. And I think this notion about never let anyone tell you you're the leaders of tomorrow, that the this is really about leadership for today. I think we've seen this on a number of different issues, whether it's uh, gun violence in the community or innovation around economic development, that we really have students from the high school, college level, young professionals taking on incredible leadership roles in this community and inspiring and igniting action uh, in a very exciting way. A couple of that other themes I think that came up was this comment, right, that we don't have all the answers, you know, and I think this was uh, maybe Jennifer's piece on the advice is tricky. We don't have all the answers. The design for the 1ABQ service challenge kept that in mind specifically, which is to say, you know, I don't as first lady or we don't as the city presume to know the kind of service projects we should do that are going to move the city forward. So what we said to you is we're going to frame this challenge in a broad way. And we want folks to come back to us with their creativity, their understanding of their needs of their own neighborhood or family or community, and be able to take some of those emergent ideas and build off of them, not just for the next service challenge, but to build off of them in the way we're structuring programs and family and community services or senior affairs. And that is part of, right, making room for the entire city to lead. And for us, that vision of how you flip City Hall inside out and serve as a catalyst and as a connector that is able to tap into the real innovative, creative, uh, and resilient potential that our city has. So those were very exciting pieces for me. I think uh, two other themes that stuck out, right, were both Kathy and Beva talking about this need to make room for the differences, right? To pay attention to the injustices, to pay attention to the equity and recognize that these fights are are never over, right? That we stand on the shoulders of giants reaching the point we have on some of those pieces. But there is a moment for our generation now to step up and look at those challenges and look at some of those problems with fresh eyes. And I think those elements are, are critical to the philosophy in terms of governance with the city. And they're also critical to this vision for service to recognize this is an ongoing process. We have to sow the seeds in any way we can to get those human connections across our city to start those conversations. Thank you so much for your reactions and for that insight. 
Would you mind sharing some of your earliest experiences in working towards social justice? Absolutely. So I think the earliest experiences for me are growing up, I think, um, really learning from both of my parents who raised us with just a commitment constantly, I think, to being able to look at problems from a big systems level and then break it down to a smaller level and move between the micro and macro seamlessly. We were lucky that my mom, who is a nurse, had stayed home while we were in elementary school. But before you know, school breakfast was a thing. She recognized helping out in the classroom that lots of the students weren't eating before they came to school. And so she figured out by just buying big cans of peanut butter and jelly, she could make sandwiches and help address those pieces. Uh, Addressing the immediate need in the short term and then working with partners throughout the school and throughout the district to help create a wider solution for that. And so I think her inspiration from for me of how she navigated um, and used her skill set as a nurse and as a public health care professional to frame problems, to tackle challenges, and to really jump in and address them has been an inspiration and, and probably some of my earliest memories. It wasn't until later, obviously, as I grew up that I understood the significance of what those pieces were, but it was something that was just in, ingrained in our house mm-hmm. from an early early days. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. In the, around that young age, um, and thinking back to you, that younger you, what is some advice that you maybe needed to hear in that younger you? I think there's a, a, a piece of advice about really exploring broadly at a young age. There is an element about a pressure to specialize in pieces, especially to specialize in a specific discipline or a specific sport or a specific activity. Uh, And for me, I have found great joy over time in having a breadth of that. I think we are now at a point um, in society where we also recognize that most of the complex challenges we face and most of the really innovative solutions that people find are the kinds of things that cut across disciplines, that take folks being able to understand quantitative information and qualitative information together, to use frames from dis- different disciplines, to be able to talk to folks with really different backgrounds. And so I think to the extent possible, it's, it's always good to gain that depth of expertise, but not to ever sort of shortcut the breadth of opportunities and really push yourself to try lots of new and exciting things, even when they're scary. And even when you're nervous, right, that you you don't know it all yet, or you won't be successful, leaning into some of that discomfort and some of that newness, um, as I think back, were probably the most rewarding experiences for me along the way. Why is it important to preserve the stories of elders and activists in our community? So I think it's not just the sharing of stories, right, or or placing them on a pillar as solid pieces or that. But but what is most important is enabling those conversations, the active and dynamic exchange of ideas between generations looking at these pieces where there's collective problem solving in those pieces. And I think that is a lot of... um, what you all have done through this project and even through these interviews and being able to showcase those pieces, 
the ripple effects through our community as families or coworkers are listening to your podcast and having conversations about them, which is going to be vital for us. We can't move ahead and tackle these challenges without understanding the historical implications and some of those pieces. But we're also not going to make progress if we continue to push forward the same pieces we've already tried or we're not tailoring it to new possibilities. So that coupling, that kind of bridge building um, in my view, is is the only way we will ever be able to address the complex challenges we face and to be able to take advantage of the amazing opportunities we have as a city. Well, is there anything else you would like to add? No, I think just real gratitude. I'm not sure when we started the 1ABQ Challenge that I could have envisioned the kind of stories and the kind of wisdom that you all are capturing. I think it was deep down our great hope in recognizing how important storytelling was to this, but I think has exceeded sort of wildest expectations as as we think about the service challenge, not as something that starts and ends in August, but really just as the beginning, right, of a year-long effort to transform how we're talking with each other, how we're solving problems together, how we're engaging the broader community. And I'm just so grateful uh, for the work you guys have brought to that, the wisdom um, you've brought, the wisdom you've brought in with your interviewees. And I look forward to continuing to um, stay in touch with the work you guys are doing. Thank you so much. For Generation Justice, this is Edgar Cruz.